we actually had to throttle the Facebook ads at that time because uh, we, we were biting off more than we could chew. <laughs> My name is Felix Tia, and I'm the host of Shopify Masters, a weekly podcast powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. Each week, we invite entrepreneurs like you to share what they've learned growing successful e-commerce businesses. In this episode, you'll learn how to manage a business that requires customization for every product, how they crowdsource the design of their jewelry, and how they market their business when 50% of their customers are buying products as gifts. Before our show, I wanted to chat about Shopify shipping. Did you know that you can buy shipping labels for your orders at home and print them with a regular printer, get shipping insurance within the United States, and receive discounted shipping rates with certain carriers with Shopify shipping? There are no additional fees, carrier account, or app required. This is included with your Shopify plan, so check out Shopify shipping today at shopify.com ship. Today I'm joined by Scott and Jacob from Revival Jewelry. Revival Jewelry designs and creates the modern locket and is on track to earning $1 million in 2020. And we started in 2018 and based at Orange County, California. Welcome, Scott and Jacob. All right, thanks for having us. Hey. Hey, so your vision uh, was to offer a more uh, modern alternative to the locket. So first of all, tell us about more, describe the product to us a little bit more, and why did you feel like the current design, or not current, the design that you're, you're coming in to replace is outdated? So, you know, yeah, I think there's a real lack of uh, modern lockets, and that's how we kind of mark, market our product as a modern locket, because a lot of times we'll... Um, you know, you'll, you'll find lockets are old fashioned and dated. And really this, this thought came about when, uh, I wanted to have a personalized piece of jewelry for my mom when my uh, father passed away. And this was, uh, you know, maybe three or four years ago. And, uh, you know, really she's more of a, of a hip mom, I guess I'll put it. And so, yeah. she, you know, she's not going to wear like an old, old, old fashioned locket. And so I, I kind of had the idea of making a, uh, you know, a, a locket that she would wear. And, you know, this came about, when uh, my sister came to me with uh, an invention she had for a, a small gem, and it, it almost looked like a like a stone you would find in in any jewelry, and as we kind of got together and said, "Hey, why don't we make some uh, jewelry out of this?" She thought, "You know, let's try some making some rings." But in my mind, you know, I, I just wanted to make the one pendant for my mom. So your your sister came to you with an invention. This is something that she invented, or did you said that did she find this adventure? What, what was the what's the story behind that? Yeah, so she, she and my uncle um, came up with the idea, and uh, they they uh, sort of I wouldn't say they came up with a prototype. They came up with a lens prototype, but you know when she got together with me, we you know figured out hey maybe we can turn this into a jewelry piece that you know someone would wear, and um, you know around that time is when you know I talked to Jacob because we were friends and I knew he grew up actually as a jewelry designer. And so it was like perfect, you know, to have him involved. You know, I, I, I mean, he can he can tell you about what his first thoughts were and uh, and how you know how we ended up getting together. Yeah, please tell us what was your thoughts. Yeah, I I thought it was a great idea. Like Scott said, um, so I come from a jewelry background, grew up around it, and started doing jewelry design at thirteen actually. And um, so I was very familiar with just an array of different things of what people like, what they don't like, and lockets were always that thing where I knew sentimentality was the was a huge indicator as to what people connect with in their jewelry. Lockets have that sentimentality, but are very low in terms of, uh, I guess, style, and they're very antiquated. So it was always always an older audience. So when Scott showed me the concept, I immediately was intrigued because I thought, wow, this is not compromising style at all. If anything, we can now put this into any context 
And my jewelry design kind of light bulb just went off of, wow, this is, I mean, rings, charms, pendants, whatever you can imagine it can go into. And really like have the same level of sentimentality that people want to have in their jewelry and that connection with it, bring even a, a newer level of personalization that people can have and connection to their jewelry, but also not compromise the style at all. So I was in love with it immediately. Got it. So can, can you guys describe a bit about what your version or your, what your, um, I guess what you're bringing to the market, like what is the modern alternative? Tell us a little more about what you guys are bringing to the market. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, we, we, I would, I would, kind of survey friends and in my mom and sister included about what kind of jewelry they like to wear. You know, they often shop at places like Pandora and whatnot. And so they're, they're, they're all about what's currently trending in jewelry. And so those are the kinds of pieces that, you know, I thought maybe we could make, right. Um, and put a, a special image inside of it. Um, that was even before we thought we could take this to market and sell it, you know, uh, and mass produce it. But, uh, we just wanted to see, Hey, can we come up with a piece, a prototype and, um, that, my mom or my sister would like. And so that, that we started with them. Um, I mean, I asked Jacob, I kind of threw some ideas at him and I don't think they were very good. Really. Jacob is, is the designer here. And um, so he, he kind of threw a few sketches back at me and, uh, and uh, we, we, we kept, um, not only did we uh, survey our, our, our uh, family, but I think we took it to friends as well. And mm-hmm. when, you know, when we hit that right, got the, the right response from friends saying, Oh, I would wear that. And I think that's when we decided, all right, this is what we need to, you know, start making. Mm-hmm. So, God, I'm not sure how nuanced the evolutions were, the iterations were. But can you walk us to that? Like, what did you, what did you start with, and what kind of changes did you make along the way that made it to the final product? So we we started with um, a piece called the Halo. That that was the the very first piece we came up with before we you know decided to start marketing it. And and the, the name behind it, you know, sh- kind of shares the sentiment of kind of uh, an angel overlooking your loved one, right? And so. You know, um, we have a kind of a halo with stones around it, and uh, it, it encompasses the picture. And um, you know, w- w- once we were able to put it together and uh, get comfortable with you know the nuances of you know what what how to make it uh, seamlessly, because um, I knew nothing about making jewelry or producing jewelry. Uh, Jacob was kind of the uh, the expert on that, so. You know, I did a lot of learning from him. Maybe you could kind of. Yeah. Yeah. We had. Uh, so we started with the halo. It was very simple design. Um, once again, we were just kind of throwing it out there to, to gauge reaction. So there was nothing really special to it. It was just kind of this design that we thought was was simple, likable. It started the, the concept was was really taking off. I think at the time, the design people were like, OK, I can kind of take it or leave it. But I love the concept behind it. And so that's when we regathered and we're like okay let's actually now kind of step out a little further and try to come up with some better designs and so what we did was we kind of thought through the process of how can we create something that's hitting different price points for our customers because you know um i come from a fine jewelry background so it's very different than than what we're doing here um in terms of price per unit so i thought let's let's create something that can people can buy at you know 75 80 dollars all the way up to 200 250 dollars kind of thing and so we ended up coming up with four designs, um, one very simple, just octagon without stones so that it can, you know, it's very light, not a lot of metal, didn't cost a lot. So we can offer that to people at a lower price. We had the halo was the next uh, next product. And I, I kind of redesigned it, made it look a little sleeker, nicer, um, add a little more weight to it so that uh, women were saying it felt very dainty, the very first model, you know, so 
Um, we would have things also just where we would take this to women and and show them and, and just get their feedback and say, hey, here it is. And, and literally had parties at one time to just show them the product well, and get their feedback. And that's, that's where we, we thought we could turn this into businesses. Right. So the reaction we were getting from people are like immediately they were like, man, can you make one for me? Right. Um, I love this, you know, because these are people who don't wouldn't normally wear a locket or anything like that. But uh, they were just some of them would would look at the jewelry and say, I love this piece and not even knowing that it has an image in it. Right. I want it. So that's when we knew this is something that that, that we could really take to market. So that's great. Give us an idea of the timeline. So you started with this this initial prototype. Um, you guys are going through rounds of iterations. You were testing it with putting it in front of family at first and then friends. And then it sounded like you started getting the recognition from strangers that didn't know either of you, but they still love the product. So give us a t- an idea of the time on how long this took to get to the point where you both were like, wow, this is actually a product that we should start trying to sell online. So I think we were both uh, working at our jobs and, and I have a background in the semiconductor industry and I was working full time you know, before I decided to uh, move into this. And uh, we, we were sitting around saying, look, we we have a product here, but, um, you know, um, there are a lot of different ways we could go about marketing this, right? And so, you know, we, we ta- kind of talked about uh, what uh, dir- direct sales being something, because at the time, I think uh, a lot of people were into the... Um, what, yeah, uh, the jewelry party thing. Yeah. It started back, if we're putting it on a timeline, that started... 2017, right? Beginning? We started, yeah, talking. we started talking about that. Yeah. And it, uh, I remember you, Scott, came and initially had the idea with his sister. Um, was like, hey, can can you make some pieces? And so Scott had kind of handed me some designs um, early 2017, started making them for him. Uh, I was at one point like, hey, I, I, I'm not a fan of these designs, really, but I think we can do better. And so um, we kind of collaborated. That's where we did the halo. Um, And then when we started to show, we showed actually friends and family those designs that weren't that great. You you remember um, early on and got good response. But but, but I think, you know, um, we finally landed and thank God um, that we were going to, you know, go direct to consumer as the route to spread the message and and really uh, market these things. Because um, I don't think, you know, we we tossed around the idea of, you know, like you said, party. and also uh, selling wholesale to uh, jewelers. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the issue is I think the party would have been great because it's a product that you have to really demonstrate for people to get. And so it's not just going to sell itself. But I think direct-to-consumer online provides you, you know, having a web website that educates the customer, right? So we have that opportunity to do that. And I thought um, that would be a great way to launch this, even though some people, you know, I think I'm not sure if Jacob at the time was too keen on it or there maybe a few others thought you can't really sell this online, but I thought, look, it's the perfect platform because, you know, your website can have all the information showing them what it does and how, how to, how, you know, and, and not to digress too much, but that's kind of our strategy to marketing. This is that hundred percent of our sales is, is online. And, you know, we, we use uh, Facebook mostly to, um, to generate traffic and uh, Facebook paid ads. And for, for us, you know, while, you know, I was trying to educate myself on how to how to do this because I, I wasn't well versed in you know Facebook marketing and all that. Um, as I was learning about how to market this on Facebook, you know, you you you'd go online, do your research, and people would talk about building you know your funnel strategy, right? But to me, um, really, uh, we 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 take more of a you know 
send traffic to our website strategy and the and really um, we're sending them through the funnel um, on our website itself. And so our our conversion I feel like happens faster than the average uh, you know a uh, product. Of course, it just varies on what what you're trying to sell online. So if you're selling services that have a longer sales cycle or um, big ticket items, you know obviously you probably want to have a you know multi tier approach first on Facebook itself or through you know sending different um, you know, touch points online. But for us, I think once we get people to our website, it's pretty simple and pretty straightforward on, you know, how to order, what it does. And so, you know, we, we, we thought that was the best approach for, you know, taking this to market was uh, direct to consumer online. Got it. And that price point probably helps too with uh, how much you can spend to, to acquire a customer. And I want to talk a little bit more about this. I, sure. I think Jacob, as you that mentioned that your goal was to hit a different price point or at least offer different price points. And that range was from $70 to $200. What did you see about this, this kind of price range? What, what did you see about that market that made you say, let's go after this market, this price range? So, you know, the background I come from, it was a lot of custom design. It was, it was, like I said, higher priced items. So I knew that those would be few and far between. I think it would have taken a lot more to gather sales if it, we were talking about, let's sell this thing in, into the context of real gold and sell it for $7,500 a unit. You know, it's a lot of having to educate a customer and having to bring them along, like Scott said, that funnel of just of education alone. So to me, it didn't seem like that was the way to go at all. And um, I mean, Scott, Scott knew that as well. And we kind of just talked about, I think this is a more mass market type of item. It's things that mm -hmm. when we got the responses and once again, sentimentality played into that a lot of, you know, the different reasons people would put these photos in from, you know, in memoriam type of photos to their pets, to all these kinds of things. We realized this is more mass market than, than higher, higher end stuff. So let's create designs and be cognizant of that when we're designing things so that we can uh, produce things that are at that lower price price point so that people can kind of, you know, we can spread it farther for people and, and make it more available. Are you guys also in the gifting market? Are there a lot of buyers that are buying it as gifts? Yes. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, uh, one of the, I, I see a huge percentage of our customers shipping it to uh, drop shipping it to uh, their, uh, we know friends as as gifts to for uh, family members for uh, special occasions like birthdays um uh, graduations mm -hmm. but but you know that's i'd say about half of our sales are, are in that and you know half of our customers buy it for themselves and um yeah i mean i think half is pretty pretty significant in the sense that mm -hmm. you are you do have a very giftable product how does that affect the way that you you market or you message the product either in your ads or when people land on your site do you do you try to uh, encourage people to buy as a gift? You know, tell you the truth, we haven't focused on uh, gifting uh, messaging. It, uh, mostly, it's, it just so happens that people... Uh, well, you know what? Our, our, one of our main ads, it does show that um, it, it's, it's a perfect gift item. Mm -hmm. That's right. So we do, we do have some of that messaging. Um, and, and so... But, but on the, uh, once you become a customer, tell you the truth, you just really raise a good point. Um, we don't, uh, this, this is a great gift, but uh, we only recently started, uh, you know, cr making uh, card inserts for our customers because they've been requesting that a lot. Um, and usually we, um, you know, we're uh, talking to our customers uh, after they purchase the product. And so um, 
we're, we're still in the, you know, we're always learning from our customer. In fact, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's been the, from the very beginning, you know, we kind of crowdsource our uh, designs. If you look at our website now, I think we have um, eight, um, what we call our signature designs. And uh, we, we're continuing to build more designs based on what customers want. But, you know, uh, so we're, we're constantly um, you know, getting feedback from our customers on, you know, how, how to uh, approach the whole gifting side of things as well. Because uh, I think we, along the way, uh, provided gift boxes that are nicer. We, we you know, all of our uh, jewelry comes in uh, nicer revival jewelry boxes now. Yeah. Um, because they were always asking for uh, jewelry boxes. And now I I was surprised to learn that it's not common practice for a lot of jewelers to, when you order jewelry online to send you a, a jewelry box with your item. Um, you know, when you order stuff, a lot of times it just comes, you know, packaged like not so nice. You know, yeah. we were very surprised. So we 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 decided to pr- provide nice packaging when, when we send you an item as well. Got so. it. And so you, you, your your business is not just like a straightforward where you go online and you shop and you buy and they get sent right to you. It's it's customized, right? It's customized jewelry. Mm-hmm. Can you explain the technology and the process that goes on when someone goes to your site and they they, they upload a photo and like what what happens at that point? Yeah, so so you go to our site. First, you you know, and like I mentioned before, we all the instructions are right there on our page, so it's pretty simple. You want, once you find a jewelry piece that you like, you click through to that piece, and then there's a button that asks you to upload your uh, um, your a photo that you. And this is um, an important piece of how we market this. Um, I think a good portion of our sales are are mobile. Because uh, people keep all their photos now on their phones, right? So mm-hmm. if you if you're going to our website from your mobile device, it's really simple to you know upload a a, a photo that you have already there, and then once you see it uh, on our, we have a little tool that we use, and in fact, it's it's um it's a Shopify uh, partner app that that helped us build you know build that solution. You you upload your um image, then you there's tools for cropping, rotating, and uh, you know adjusting the image the way you want it, and it'll come to you you know how you crop it. So it's it's pretty straightforward. Guys, okay, so you worked with a Shopify partner, like a like a development firm, a developer to create the the technology for this. Yeah, well, no, it, you know, it's it's an app we use, and you know, I think that's the beauty of Shopify is that. You know, anything you need, I feel like there's an out-of-box solution these days. Um, that, you know, pro- I, I, we were wary about building a website because we thought, look, everything has to be custom-built, you know, all the stuff we want. But as it turns out, Shopify has a lot of, you know, out-of-the-box solutions for whatever you can think of. And so we use a lot of that. What was the app that you use for this? So the one we currently use is Product Personalizer, but there there are a few others. But this one was the be- you know, um, works well for us because um, we didn't have, you know, a uh, uh, a whole lot of uh, SKUs to start. And, uh, yeah. So once it, once it's been personalized, it gets into your, your system as an order, how is it made? Like, how is it that the actual, I'm not sure how much you come with details, details and go into, but how is the, the actual jewelry made? Yeah, so so there, there are um, basically uh, two parts to our uh, production is, uh, you know, we have the processing and uh, production fulfillment and the, uh, Processing we kind of keep as a trade secret because we do have a, a patent utility patent pending on um, the lens itself. But uh, getting the photo in, we um, we we have our own in-house lab where we do that. But as far as um, putting the pieces together, we you know we we just, we have a 3D printer here, so we we cast all of our uh, I mean uh, we we print molds on all of our uh, prototypes, and then um, then of course we send it out. We we have some relationships with. Uh, people who cast the jewelry and um, they specialize in um, 
we use mostly silver, 925 sterling silver, but you know, we also use gold and, um, and of course, the, and we stuck with silver and rose gold because those two seem to be, you know, um, I, I feel like what silver is kind of the, um, like one timeless uh, metal, right, that mm -hmm. people use for jewelry. And rose gold is current a uh, current trend, but um, that's always been in and out as far as uh, jewelry trends go. And so that's why we, that's what our focus has been. Now, if we do get requests for custom pieces to you know cast in different metals, we'll do that for people. But we do everything in house, so we don't use. It's difficult to use third party logistics um, for us because um, it's a you know customized personalized piece, and so we we fulfill everything here. Right, makes sense. So you mentioned, um, you know, beyond the the customized jewelry, you mentioned that all the the products that are available for sale right from your site uh, are a lot of them are crowdsourced. Tell us more about that. Like, how do you crowdsource uh, design of the jewelry? Mostly through social media. And so we we have a our social media person. She uh, will put out a poll anytime we have a new design. In fact, we're working right now um, on some charm bracelets and charms um that she'll be putting out on our instagram page and uh we'll send polls out um also uh, we have a pretty extent um our email list is i think last i checked we have about eight thousand, and so um and these are people who are very actively involved and we will we'll go to them to ask you know what they like and, and so you know we'll we'll, we'll have maybe three variations of a design and then ask them, all right, do you like, you know, design one, two or three, that sort of thing. So. Got it. Yeah. I think there's so much power in just asking your, your customers that we sometimes uh, try to try to come up with the answers ourselves when there's the answer by just asking your customers. So how often are you doing this? How often are you, it sounds like you're coming up with these designs and are, are they made at this point or are they like actually like physical foot, like physical products that you can take photos of or are they like prototypes or their mock-ups, I mean, that are then sent out to social media and your email list to get their feedback? Yeah, what what we kind of do is, um, since I do you know CAD design with with jewelry, it's pretty easy. So we'll think up um, an initial concept, and you know our team will kind of sit internally and say, hey, what do we want to do? And we, you know, and so far it's been pendants only. And so for the pendants, it was let's create these. We knew we wanted different price points, right? So I kind of drew up some things, and then we kind of crafted it internally, and then said, okay, this is good enough to send out. And uh, let's post it up. So I, I got renderings where, you know, obviously it looks pretty realistic. The metals look real. The diamonds or CZs look real. And so it's all computer imaging, but we just throw it up there on social media and would have the votes and everything like that. And people would comment, oh, I like this or I don't like this about this piece. Um, you know, one simple thing was from the halo that we first had to the halo we have now, it's very similar. But the common response was something as simple as, the stone should be a little bigger and mm -hmm. literally making them 25% bigger changed the whole look and design of the piece. And it became uh, a much better seller than it was before when it was just slightly <laughs> smaller, you know? Um, so paying attention to details like that with customers is important, but we kind of sat back. We, we, in our Facebook ads and things like that, we get comments of, Oh, I would love to see blah, blah, blah. And we get this amazing feedback from customers via email, Facebook, whatever, who say, Hey, do you think you'll ever come out with and, you know, fill in the blank? And so we definitely take notes of that. And when we see something commonly popping mm -hmm. up, charms, for instance, was one of them. That's when we go back to our kind of internal team and say, 
hey, what do you think about releasing charms? And so that's kind of where we were at. And so I'm in the process right now of uh, creating charm bracelets and charms for our customers. And that's going to be going out soon for their review. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. how, how often do you, do you test these designs? How often are you guys doing this? Uh, we're at first, it was not very often. It was maybe once a quarter, we would kind of revisit our designs and look, um, we're, we, that was because we were just getting focused on launching and, and, you know, getting the product to a point where we felt comfortable with it. Um, we made little pivots where we would, we had only silver and then, okay, now let's make all the pieces in silver and in rose gold. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, made little kind of additions like that. Um, but now we're, we're looking to release things that customers really want. And, you know, men's jewelry is things we hear a yeah. lot and, and, uh, charms are things we hear. So we're, we're trying to take that a, a bit more, um, frequently where we revisit what customers want. So we're not trying to, kill ourselves with the amount of SKUs we're wanting to release. Obviously we're, we're trying to go about it's a systematic approach, but, um, listening to our customers very carefully and, and trying to, you know, make sure we're pumping out things that they really like and enjoy. I mean, we're, our uh, signature line is just going to be there. Probably we, we, we imagine for a long time, but mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're always trying to uh, add on to the, the signature, um, designs by mm-hmm. following different trends that, that, that are seasonal. So how many SKUs are you guys at today? Wow. We we have about all in all nineteen. Yeah. If you Got include uh, chains and yeah. Now you mentioned that one improvement that you made too from hearing listening to your customers was around the packaging and the jewelry boxes. So tell us about how this happens. I, I, I'd assume this. I mean, I'm not assume, but I, I, this obviously has impact on your your profit margins by going above and beyond what you would typically see other competitors in the space offering. So tell us about how you guys recognize that this was an opportunity that you wanted to take advantage of? You know, as, as when we were he- hearing that a lot of people were gifting this and, you know, they were asking us, in fact, some people were asking us if they could pay for a box because, you know, our, 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 I didn't think our pricing was necessarily, you know, out, more expensive than uh, what was on the market. So we, we realized maybe we could actually in our next iteration of um, our pieces, you know, raise the price. And we actually did. Um, our initial pieces were, uh, we made the mistake of um, designing them as necklaces that you couldn't remove the uh, chains from. And, you know, that's one of the immediate feedback we got from our customers that, hey, we want pendants with uh, removable chains. And so when we made that change over, we realized, hey, it's, it's costing us more to do that, but we can also pass that cost on because it's reasonable. You know, it's, it's, it's people will pay for that. And so as we did that, we also um, kind of factored in the, the cost of, uh, you know, having nice boxes. And so... Um, that, that's how we, we took, and, and really, um, it wasn't like we suddenly doubled the price. And so I think people, you know, um, we thought we were going to get some backlash or, you know, people telling us, why did you raise the price? Uh, we, we didn't, people kind of accepted it. And so that's great. Got it. Oh, and was this, um, was that, was this like going to iterations of design to the, the jewelry box or like, how did you guys, how did you guys find uh, the, the packaging of the jewelry box? We previewed the different, uh, boxes that were available and um honestly we we designed one and stuck with it uh it's 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 you know we've gotten good feedback on it and and so uh, we we haven't no we haven't uh, really found the need to to change the design but of course i mean it's possible we we could come up with um you know different boxes for special different occasions and events and that might be an idea but right now we just have a one standard box that um ships with our pendants now we do have Less, um, these are more, um, 
card, these paper mache type boxes that we send when you buy, you know, one of our non-pendant items. Like we have a what we call our pillar, and um, we we have a little uh, piece that looks like a camera. Um, we ship those, in, and we don't ship those in jewelry boxes. They don't come with chains. But I mean, sometimes we'll we'll put them in a box for the customer if they do order a chain with it. So, but that's all. I mean, it's all mentioned on our website, so they know what they're getting. Hey. Real quick, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think or what you'd like to hear more of. Now, let's get back to the interview. Got it. Okay, I want to talk a little bit about the the Facebook strategy because you mentioned that this is how you're able to generate traffic through the paid ads. Tell us more about this strategy because it sounded like, Scott, you were saying how you had to learn this from scratch. So tell us about how you learned it from scratch because I think a lot of people out there are trying to figure it out or want to look into paid ads on Facebook but don't know where to begin. No, I, I, yeah, I definitely encourage people just starting out to, um, you know, tackle it on their own and learn as much as possible. Because early on, I did, um, I tried a, a couple people who were with agencies and, and said, hey, look, we can help you guys out. Um, but I, I learned that, uh, you know, we they weren't producing any better results than we were. So, um, and I think a lot of the um, conventional wisdom out there is, you know, uh, sort of this funnel strategy approach. But for us, I think if we kind of knew, know who our customers are, um, just start with targeting, you know, um, who, who your customers are and build, build your audiences around those interests. Um, we did that for the entire first year. And, uh, once we started, uh, you know, building maybe, I think, uh, we had around 750 to a thousand customers. We started, um, using, uh, custom uh, lookalike audiences on Facebook. If, if people are familiar with that, those work great. Once you have a great, um, you know, of course, Facebook works, works better when you have more data. So the more data you feed it, the better it works. But I think around the time when we had seven, 750 to a thousand customers is when um, that started taking off. Um, the process of figuring out who you're, I mean, you, if you're starting a business, you should know who your customers are. Right. And so I think, um, you know, once, once we figured that out, we could, target different, um, different interests, you know, and based on, I mean, one of our biggest, um, groups is pet owners. They, they buy our, our, our products a lot. And so, you know, we would try to find, uh, mm-hmm. you know, pet lover audiences. And, uh, another one was weddings, um, graduations. So, Right. So I can see the different use cases, different types of customers. How does that change like your ad and your, your ad copy when you are targeting like pet, pet owners or people that are engaged? Yeah. So tell you the truth. I mean, we could probably be doing better, but as far as um, the uh, return on ad spend we're getting, we haven't seen the need to create too many. We have two ads, tell you the truth. And there's one that's been running for a whole uh, year and a half now, a year, ever ever since we started. I think we we started marketing in what, March of last Mm year? Yeah. On Facebook, and that's been running ever since, and it's it's been really uh, working well. I think, you know, it, around the holiday season, fourth quarter, we were seeing like eleven to twenty-two x. Our, our right now, I think we're seeing we're closer to like five x. And I think, without having to change anything, we only have two basic video ads out there. Amazing. So, so you aren't you mentioned that you aren't spending a ton of time nurturing them on Facebook. Your main goal with these ads is to get them to your website, and is that like the product page that you're looking to drive them to? Exactly. So, I, I think we we used to I, the first year we did spend a lot of money on um, 
on buying cold traffic and you know um, targeting kind of you know the 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 top of the funnel um, you know introduction. But I think we quickly once we started getting conversions, we switched to you know having a purchase conversions. And ever since we've just been doing that, and it's been working pretty well. And it's been pretty profitable. Got it. So once you hit that stage where you had enough customers, you're able to switch over to like a lookalike audience and uh, set the conversion event to so to a purchase, and that really ramped things up for you guys. Yeah, and, and honestly, it's it it worked so much better than we expected. Uh, that we 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 entered into some problems in uh, Q4 when we hit Black Friday, and we were so overwhelmed. We hired you know seasonal help, and um, you know we were trying to scale production as fast as we could. We actually had to throttle um, throttle the Facebook ads at that time because uh, we we were biting off more than we could chew, and so it was a learning experience. Yeah. That's funny that, that you uh, were getting so many sales that you had to turn down the, the marketing. That's always a, a good problem to have. So, how quickly does the conversion happen once they see your ad, click on the click on the ad to go to your product page? Do they usually buy immediately, or do they usually need to browse around more, get on your email list before they buy? How how quickly does the conversion happen? So interestingly, I, I was looking at lately. It's 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 been shorter because um, in the past, as I review this, you know, uh, the um, analytics on Facebook, um, I, I'd say half half of our um, about a third of our uh, conversions were within a one-week period, and then a third were within um, the 28 days. And here's the problem: is that that resets once you go beyond the 28 days because Facebook only tracks for that long, right? And so, you know, um, we we suspect that it mostly takes up to a week. Now, right now, um, we're you know, uh, as soon as we run a, a new ad, um, we we start to see conversions immediately because I think these are probably warmer leads mm-hmm. that were because we've already targeted i mean with very little budget we we were you know we reached like millions so yeah nonetheless. So, so what do you do to help that conversion then if they land on your site they don't they usually takes a week to buy what do you what do you find is attributing to them actually converting once they've entered your funnel you know um i honestly I'll, I'll say this: I, We we let the Facebook algorithm figure that out for us because I, I some in some ways you know I'm, I'm puzzled as, as to how someone comes to our website and on the same day um, we're getting a lot more customers that will convert you know within the 24 hour period I've noticed and uh, these are people who Facebook has already found that that um, they were ready you know we've had customers say you know I don't know how Facebook figured it out but they showed me your ad and they realized this is something I wanted and I didn't even know you existed in the, and, and, you know, I think it's kind of funny, um, how the, how that works. Cause, uh, you know, um, in most cases, I think it does take a few days for people to kind of think of what photo they want to upload, but we have a lot of customers that, that they already had their picture ready and they just didn't know we existed. You know what I mean? Got it. Now, have you made any changes though, to the product page or the website to improve conversions? Yes. Um, so initially I think in our first month, we, we struggled a bit to, to get orders and we learned that uh, it's because we had to educate the customer on how to order, you know, um, as well as exactly how the product worked. And we put that all on our, on our website and we do use a tool, um, a training tool. It's an app called Fira AI. Um, and it's been helpful um, for us in terms of uh, tracking uh, the pathway the uh, customer goes to once they come to our website um, and, and, and we, 
you know, the main page pretty much has everything you need, you know, to make a decision right there. Um, it tells you, um, you know, who we are, what we do, and then, um, you know, how, how, how to order. So, um, if you spend maybe 10 minutes on, on the front page, you know, that's, that's enough time for you to make a decision. Um, cause I think this is really an impulse buy a lot of times. And so that, that's why we're getting, but in, in many cases it's because life events occur and they're always happening, right? Um, you know, someone's going, always having a baby or there's always someone having a graduation. And unfortunately we, we also cater to people who've lost loved ones, right? Um, they, they, they want a meaningful piece, you know, to, to buy for themselves or for, um, to comfort a loved one. So well, there's, I don't think we ever, you know, dry up the, um, the list of, uh, potential customers. Right. And so, Right. So one thing that you mentioned about how to get the customers coming back and getting that retention is to figure out ways to impress the customer. So say more about this. What are some examples of impressing a customer? So what, what we always say, you know, we, we, we want to, um, you know, constantly impress the customer, delight the customer. Um, anytime they contact us, you know, we, if, if there's a problem they have with our, our product, we try to get to the core of what the problem is product is rather than just simply issuing a refund right away but we have a very flex uh, refund policy and surprisingly um we have a low rate of return on our product i think um you know we have less than five percent rate of return which is in i feel like that's un, uncommon in um e-commerce um but um i think it's also because once people have the product it's just so personal that they don't you know they they, they and i think they also love our product but but we um we try to delight the customer by you know going above and beyond. So anytime someone contacts us, we'll you know they they request almost anything within reason. We 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 do for them. I mean we constantly get customers asking us to overnight them product, and we'll do that whenever we can, even though it you know it may cost us like what twenty bucks to do right. So um or if you know uh, we'll 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 add an extra little gift for people if you know because um they, they want to. That's something more. Uh, yeah, I, I was just going to say, I mean, just last week we had um, two separate customers who asked us to write notes for people, oh. you know, and, and so we went out and, you know, got some cards. And uh, one was, I think, for a birthday and, and they typed up. We, we asked them, what would you like to, us to say? And they typed up a whole message and, you know, we wrote it. One was for a graduation. We're not going to be able to be there because obviously the, you know, the uh, COVID stuff going on right now. But. Um, just things like that. I mean, we we really try, I think, to just put ourselves in the customer's shoes and go, hey, these are people. They're more than just customers. And so how can we, you know, treat them like that, you know? So, yeah, we, we try to go above and beyond as much as possible. And we also, we always like to ask, you know, customers to share their stories behind, you know, their photos as well, because, you know, these are meaningful things to them. And, uh, you know, j just just to have a listening ear, right? And sometimes that's because one of, one of our... Um, goals with uh, Revival is to create community for people as well so that um, they'll have a, a, a place where they can share their stories. And we're really wanting to focus on that these days. Um, so we're, we're, we're building a, a social media strategy for that. Um, in the first year, I think we let social media fall to the wayside because um, we were just so busy managing the business. And so we only, you know, thank God we, we found someone to do our social media right before you know, all the um, shelter in place orders went through here in California because um, I don't think we could have right now we'd love to hire people, but it's it's hard to 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 go out there. Right. And so we were able to do that. And um, 
you know, because we do want to build our, grow our, uh, you know, social media is so important to us, right? And so um, we're trying to do that. But part of that is building more of a community presence where people can share their stories, you know, of the pictures they have in, in their pieces. And so that's that's one way we, you know, delight the customer and also build customer retention. Then we had customers that have bought every single piece. In fact, some customers have bought like three or four and they'll put the same picture and give it to all their grandkids or their or buy it for their aunt or buy it for you know so it's 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 interesting that someone would buy the same piece four or five times and buy every single piece we have. So yeah, it's always interesting to see the unique the use cases that you never thought of with your with your product that you're putting out there. Uh, so you know speaking of the basically COVID nineteen, the pandemic, the lockdown, how 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 has your business been affected? What are some ways that you've been able to navigate, you know, these times? Well it's it's actually stretched our our lead times, but we're fortunate that um well, because we can, we're not using third-party logistics, which I think um, most 3PL warehouses are up and running anyway. But for us, you know, we have our own warehouse, and um, we're we're spread thin these days because of that. But orders haven't been affected. Um, uh, I think we we thought initially should we scale back our Facebook ads, you know, because we did see a drop for a couple days, you know, when I think this was mid-March when we first were starting to hear the news. But, you know, within a few days, I think we, we started seeing um, orders continue to come in and we, we, we had to think of uh, ways to um, continue operating. And so, you know, luckily you can keep your warehouse operations going and uh, and uh, that's all we really have. <laughs> and uh, we're able to social distance because we only have right now uh, three people. Um, well, we use a lot of contractors um, for different things. Right. So but we only have three full timers right now. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk a little about the the growth. So the first year, then first full year, you did uh, $265,000. Uh, so first, let's talk about that. Like, where were these first customers coming from for you to be able to, you know, crack that six figure marks? I think that that's obviously a, a big milestone for the first year in business. Yeah. So, you know, interestingly, uh, we thought we would first go to friends and family to sell this product, but uh, all of our initial sales came from Facebook. Um, as soon as we put our ads out, um, we started uh, getting. I mean, now in the first month, we only did a thousand dollars, right? And uh, in fact, the first half, I think we only we didn't do a whole lot. Um, we did sixty percent of our sales in Q4, um, and I think that that you you'll usually see that with new businesses, right? In mm-hmm. the beginning, it's slow to grow and it kind of kind of snowballs. And in fact, we're still seeing that right now. We, we're, we're Except for um, March, where we continue to see month over month growth. Um, in fact, April we've already exceeded, um, you know, March, and so mm-hmm. amazing. But yeah, so but we um, it was all it was it was all uh, Facebook. We do get a certain percentage of organic uh, um, and uh, non paid um, you know shares and you know Google searches and whatnot. But I think you know vast majority comes from Facebook. So for us. Is there a lot of education around your product? How do you, is it easy to explain or do people get it right away? How the product works? What is a locket? You know, especially since like you mentioned before, it is, uh, it is something that you're, you're looking to bring a modern alternative to what's what you would probably consider more an outdated, uh, jewelry. So how do you make sure that you're able to educate your customers that this is a modern take on it? This is actually how it works is what, what, what our unique kind of angle is. Well, our initial ad shows exactly how it works. Um, 
there's there's a video of um, we use a, 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 mo- a model. It's actually a friend of ours, and she kind of shows you how ex- exactly it works. So you know, your very first you know interact you know the first time you come in touch with our brand, you you see what it is. Um, now, once you get to our website and you know that you can upload your picture and order the order the piece. Um, even when you receive it, once you open the box, we have a card insert in there with instructions on, you know, exactly how to view the view your picture and the best practices on how to. In fact, our I think our our customers help us learn, you know, that we can do a lot of different things with our piece. And later on, we we started um, educating them more on how to do that. Like, um, we'll we'll tell people, hey, you can actually view your photo using your cell phone. I think Jacob was the one who started or discovered that. Or, but we also had customers that quickly discovered that you can also project your images using a cell phone, um, uh, you know, the LED flashlight apps. Um, that's something initially we didn't even think of. So our customers have been kind of discovering those things. And um, but in any case, when what we we were co- constantly educating the customer um, from our our first ad they see to when you get on our website to even when you receive the product, you know, we have another card insert with instructions on it so i don't think there's ever any step of the way you're not going to know how to use it now we do still get um people who open the box throw the card away and they're like all right i'm having trouble seeing the image because they some people look at it backwards initially because they they look at the front gem and don't realize oh you can actually look straight into the gem because it looks like an actual like gem you know that a stone that would go on a uh, gemstone that would go on jewelry but in fact you, that's the lens piece that you look to find the picture so <laughs> got it. now so 265,000 the first year and again we've talked about at the beginning of this year that you're on track to cracking the 1 million dollar mark in 2020 so obviously a big jump in, in in revenue what what do you think changed or what what has changed from from your your strategy or what you guys are doing to go from you know low six figures to cracking a million so once we figured out how to stabilize our, our Facebook um, return, right, um, we, we realized – now, the interesting thing is when you scale your Facebook ads, um, it's, you know, uh, I think we've learned that um, when you scale from spending like, you know, say $100 a day to $1,000 a day, um, we're, you're supposed to see a diminishing rate of return. But I think even up to 1000 in some cases, we've seen um, – return on ads been in accelerate. Um, and I don't, we haven't reached the mark to where it started decelerating yet. And so the only thing holding us back is, um, one of the things we were going to do spend a lot of time on Q1 is because we know, um, January and February tends to be slower, except we did have Valentine's. And so that we had a little spike there. We wanted to focus on scaling our production and expanding our operations. We started doing that. We were, you know, buying more equipment and things of that nature. But, you know, I think, we kind of put that on hold right now because of um, the whole um, COVID restrictions, but um, we plan to, you know, move out of our space that we currently have. Uh, we're hoping this summer, as long as everything goes as scheduled uh, so that we can bring more people in. Um, Cause it's right now, once we've, we're confident that we figured out how to scale our uh, Facebook and um, as well as other um, expand on other marketing, but all the, honestly, the best return is we found so far has been on Facebook that we can, um, as long as we have, you know, everything scaled on the production side of things, we we should be able to hit the, that, that number. Now, last year, like I said, um, most of our sales were in Q4. Sixty percent was, um, uh, and 
a good portion of that was simply Black Friday through um, the end of the year. Um, so we want to be ready definitely for uh, for Q4 this year um, by being able to have enough uh, people and uh, equipment ready to uh, scale production. So that, that's yeah. our plan. What, what, what kind of uh, apps or tools or services do you use to run the business? You mentioned Product Personalizer. Um, what other tools or apps do you use to help run the business? Yeah, so early on we used um, – and we still do. It's uh, Stamped.io for reviews because I think uh, that really helped us with conversions initially um, to build social proof that way um, uh, on our website. Uh, we also use, like I mentioned before, a product personalizer. Those are our favorite ones. Uh, a tool called Fira AI as well because we need a solution for um, also social proof that people bought our product. So you'll see a little pop up. And initially we were worried about, we weren't sure when to do that because we thought it would annoy people, but it, it actually helps convert. So we continue to use that. Um, um, other than that, I, th th those are the ones we rely on. We do use OmniSend to communicate with our email list. And we need to, we need to definitely um, be more active with that because every time we do send out emails, we, we, someone buy, you know, that has the highest um, conversion rate, mm -hmm. even better than Facebook, actually. Printing money. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So, so thank you so much, uh, Scott and Jacob. So, the the I, I, this is the last question for you guys. What what do you think is important for you to focus on over this coming year to to make another leap in growth? We we want to um, expand um, definitely our um, marketing presence too. We've been testing the waters with some trade shows and building a presence and doing more. Uh, PR sort of um, activities. We've never we've never um, really tried um, influencer marketing, but we want to do that as well. Um, but the most important thing I think for for me is is um, building the whole community aspect of our business, so that we you know continue to build on our brand, our uh, customer loyalty, um, and uh, so that, you know, that we have big plans for that for sure. So awesome! Thank you so much. So Revival Jewelry at jewelrytolife.com. Thank you guys so much for coming on, sharing your experience. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Thanks so much. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Shopify Masters, the e-commerce podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs, powered by Shopify.